Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. And I'm drug free. Sure. Is this going to turn <laughs> to a PSA? Or got a it, harrowing story you want to tell us? Just, just, <laughs> just finally passed all uh, 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 sicknesses and surgeries. Sure. Running and on pure caffeine and rage. That's exactly right. So joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. My body's a temple, people. That's the way I like to keep it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You over-spiritualized that and overbrowed it. You're Which welcome. Your, your temple is filled with a lot of melted cheese. That's also true. <laughs> <laughs> it's the altar. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Jed's high is the most high. That's Whoa. right. That is correct. Absolutely. All right, well, we st- you know normally we like to get right into it. I like but to get sometimes down to we it. have to stop and acknowledge when people write us a nice message. Woo! Oh, because right. if you want to get mentioned on this show by name, the best thing you can do is appeal to our ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the best thing sure. you can do is send bait goods. PO Box 316 Forest Park Illinois 60130. The second best thing you can do is appeal to our ego. Yeah. We got a message in from our friend Lauren. She is Imagineering Light on Tumblr, which remains one of the better Tumblr handles Absolutely. out there. She has news for us and it is good news okay here she writes in and says here's some good news the journey which is the college ministry through which david and i that's dave david her husband and lauren lee Lee performed the wedding because the rest of us don't get invited to weddings yeah that doesn't end well not after the last time it's true ended poorly so the journey which is the college ministry down at the college of charleston that david and lauren run their small group through has found out that it is one of the biggest I think maybe the biggest Presbyterian college ministry in the whole country right now. Wow. And we just found out that the Say That small group is the biggest small group within said college ministry. Come on now. Wow. By the transitive property, this podcast leads the biggest Presbyter- the biggest small group at the biggest Presbyterian college ministry in the United States. We are the most popular Presbyterians. Dang. Wow. That just happened. Deal with it. I I know a lot of Presbyterians that are very offended right now. Yes. <laughs> Normally, Glenn's interactions with the Presbyterians don't go so swimmingly. No, 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 no. I, I tease them a little bit. <laughs> I, 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 I may... I, I make sport of them occasionally. What, sure. When you say they're offended, does that mean that they are like very quietly, without really making any brash moves, just sort of like like one eye is slightly twitching? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they You know what it is. You can tell the difference between I am Presbyterian and I am being totally disingenuous towards you right now and how I feel about you is what octave they're in. <laughs> so if they're fine with you, like, hey, how's it going? You know, you know, I, I hear you've got a podcast. That sounds great. If you are more popular than them and they find that unacceptable, that's like, that's great. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad you guys. That's that sounds good. And that's how you tell they're they're totally lying and that they're they're they have major problems with it. 
Well, now, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you, you might be thinking, you know, these guys are being kind of mean to the Presbyterians. That's right. Uh, it, we are. They deserve it. But here's yeah. the thing. Uh, Glenn grew up Presbyterian. That's correct. Unofficially. Yeah. Um, I was very, very involved in Presbyterian Church as a young person of, of mm-hmm. my own choosing. Right. Here's the thing. For both Glenn and I, they don't seem to be eager to claim us. <laughs> no, they're not. No, no. They, 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 they're not. They're not. They're not making a case of trying to get us back at yeah. all. They're, they're not trying to bring us back to the fold. And it should be said, and this is fair, that... Um, if people feel we're unfairly uh, attacking the Presbyterians, to recognize we also unfairly attack all the other denominations. Yeah, pretty much yep. everyone. Yeah. So. Glenn has gone on stage in a Lutheran church <laughs> and made fun of the way Lutherans do their kind of changing the vestments and the colors with the thing. Yeah. And man, some old church ladies were sharpening pitchforks uh, <laughs> in the back. You can make fun of a lot of stuff in that Lutheran church. You don't make fun of how long they leave that Christmas tree up. Look, they... I would like to address the situation. Okay. First of all, Christmas is over December 25th. The end. Tree down. <laughs> lights but down. Glenn, overdone. The Epiphany Three Kings Day isn't until January in the 20s. That's what the Lutherans say, <laughs> which prompted me to stand up in front of all of them and say, you uh, hang on to Christmas like a dog hangs on to a bone. Now, that to them was offensive. <laughs> it did not go well. And uh, Glenn, but, it's like you don't even care about Christmas Tide. Exactly right, and so <laughs> it's a lot like that. Uh, so you know, we do offend everyone. Yes, we we're careful to make sure that we're offensive well. We do to have all, a this organization, people. and Glenn in particular does have a, an interesting relationship with the Presbyterians. Now, if you don't know, there's two flavors of Presbyterian in America. Well, there's probably three, but two biggest ones are the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, and the PCUSA. Right. We have a fellow from the PCA. He's a great dude. He's a good friend of ours who is actually the head of church planting in all of North America for the PCA, which is a big and deal. Big deal. He comes to the bridge. He. Talks about the bridge a lot other places. So when Glenn goes places and says, hi, I'm Glenn from the bridge, you go, yeah, yeah bridge, we know. Yeah, Ted, we've had enough. With the bridge. Yeah, yeah, you're amazing. We've had enough. No, no more about you. <laughs> you know, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and actually, uh, that dude, uh, for our Bridgebox subscribers out there, he actually wrote this past month's devotional. Oh, Yeah, wow. really cool story about why he does a lot. Well, he does the church planting North America thing, but because he's a that cool dude, it, his thing in his spare time is he goes to Haiti. Yeah. Right. And does stuff. So he wrote a little thing about it for why he does that. So t- would you tell the story about the bats? <laughs> because we just said nice things about him. We got to balance it out. Okay. Well, that's this, fair. This shows the dynamic pretty well, I think. Uh, but, well, uh, all these denominations have their strengths and weaknesses. And, and, yeah. and they balance each other out, and that's fine. And, and Presbyterians, I'm, with PCA particularly, really great church planners. Oh, yeah. They're the best. They're actually Not the best. amazing at funding the churches once that's, planted. That's the, that's the thing. And they all have these little quirks like this, and that's, that's their quirk is is uh, where's the money coming from for this amazing project kind of thing. And it drives me a little nuts dealing with them. They always want me to help them figure it out, but there's there's never any cash in the bank for it. And um, so my way of helping them is to encourage them. And my way of encouraging them is to gently remind them that they have uh, they need to accumulate financial resources and then use them to accomplish ministry. So now you're saying the Presbyterians might be a little tight with the purse strings. Right. And being that the Presbyterians started as the Church of Scotland, I find that to be a racist, <laughs> though not inaccurate, 
yes. stereotype by which right. to judge people of Scottish descent. Absolutely right. So uh, we went to eat somewhere, and uh, uh, this gentleman that we're talking about here, very distinguished, very important gentleman, uh, we went went to eat at, at, at a restaurant, and the bill came, and I pointed to this gentleman, and I said, oh, money bags over there is paying for it. Hey, why don't you open your wallet and let the bats fly out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, that, uh, I, you know, I thought about it later. I thought, right. you know, that could kind of be taken more than one way. Sure, sure. So, um, we, we, you know what it is? It, it shows how much love there is out there. That sure. people would bear with us being this inappropriate around yeah. them. Uh, and speaking and, and explain to the people what the say that small group is. Ah, this is an excellent point. So we have our friends David and Lauren who started a small group at their journey ministry at the College of Charleston down there. Where best we can tell, we don't know why they do this. It doesn't seem like that effective an idea to us, but it's going great and they love it. Like the way other small groups would like read a chapter from a book and then yeah. get together on you know Thursday night or whatever it is and discuss it. They apparently have everyone listen to an episode of this here podcast wow. and then discuss around that when they get there, which is crazy awesome. And Lee, you've met more of these. You've met some of these folks, right? I met a lot of the small group and they're really cool people. I mean, you know, we just sat down and talked about their lives. They all have, you know, ministries that they're, you know, uh, pouring their hearts into and all this kind of stuff. And they just really, really dig the show so it was a it was a cool thing to sit down and meet these people and they weren't like you know it wasn't one of those things where they were like you know just super weird people that you meet in like the uh the the you know the the off hallway at a comic-con kind of thing <laughs> yeah. i don't you know. know what you're talking about from personal experience lee <laughs> <laughs> you know they weren't cosplaying the the host of the of this podcast or anything like that well no but I, if you out there feel the need to cosplay we don't judge Absolutely right. Um, I, mostly, I don't understand any of these words that are being said right now. <laughs> but here's what I understand, based on what all you guys are telling me, is that basically what we have is an organization that has set itself up to be our minions. Sure. And that we can now order them like a, like a, basically like henchmen. Right. Like to do our bidding. To do sure. betting, they would go places in like black turtlenecks. Well, I'm picturing more. Can they be henchmen in the Adam West Batman series, exactly. where they yes. wear striped shirts with the word Thank henchman? You. Yes, on? exactly like right. That. Yeah, and we can only communicate to them via puns. Yeah, they have the little masks. masks. And, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That to me, <laughs> I'm picturing that sure. happening. And I want us to look at uh, and and you know we could circle back to it, but just. What sort of things would we want our henchmen to Basically, do? Basically, what, what you're saying is you, we, you've been acknowledged that we have a modicum and a real modicum of influence and power, and you're immediately looking for a way to abuse that. Yes. Well, yes. So, look, here's, this, is just a, this is off the top of my head. If, if you don't think it's a good idea, it's totally cool. But this is just a, an example of what we might get the minions to do is, you know, they could kind of uh, sneak in, and you would kind of, you would imagine like the sneaking in music... You know, right. kind of deal. Boom, 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 boom. I think boom. if they have to drag that keyboard with them, it's really going to make sneaking in harder. <laughs> this is I'm your saying. vision, Lee. You go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Look, like I said, if you notes don't like will come it, later. You just express right. yourself. So we they they kind of go into like let's say the UC of a of a of a college, university center. You know, 
college kids are hanging around and stuff like that. And while a kid is in a conversation with somebody, they just kind of on the sly grab that person's phone and download the podcast. Oh, yeah, I like on it. it. I like it. And then yeah. while and then when that person turns and says, "Oh wow, I have this new podcast," then you go to the other person's phone and then you slyly leave a review. Yeah. 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 This way, the empire grows. Right. And it's this is all based on the activity of the henchman. Now, can we combine that and I and 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 I'm just what I'm trying to do is I'm taking things that I love and put them together. In this sure. case, synergy. Yeah, synergy. In this case, we have uh, possibly illegal stealth activity, which Glenn does enjoy. I really enjoy that. Glenn and I have been involved in a ministry situation that had a getaway driver. Yes, that is not true. a joke. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, so can we combine that with drones? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Just drones. Somehow drones are involved. Sure, totally. I don't, you know, I don't know what they would do. Can we load up? Because you know the USB sticks are cheap. Yeah. You know, like at podcast episode, you can feel like three or four on a one gigabyte. You know, can we just set those up in drones and just airdrops? Oh, it makes perfect well, sense to me, me. Let me ask. You, let me just let me just take it up another notch. As you do. Can we mount? a loudspeaker onto a drone. So you're picturing the Blues Brothers exactly. car exactly. with the, the drone you know, form. With hey, drone. you two girls. Exactly. It's ladies' night at the Palace Hotel Ballroom. You on the bike. You but know, the, drone exactly. style. Drone style. You can't get away from it. I like you know it. What I'm saying? We are podcasting we start, at you. We start in Charleston because they like us in Charleston yeah. and then we expand. Exactly. You're saying just the ubiquitous podcast. Yeah. It's Everywhere you, you turn, it, you yeah. come out of the bank, yeah. say that. You're thinking yeah. you come out of the library. Say, say, that. That. say that. Orwellian, 1984, yeah. strength through unity, kind yeah. of, you can't escape the messaging, submit or perish. That's exactly, I, I think for Jesus, that's what we're going to do. Absolutely. Well, look, these are all great next level ideas, but I think we don't want to forget to celebrate, because we've, okay. we've done something. I mean, these are all growth ideas, and, and they're right. exactly right. I mean, no one's arguing that, but we've achieved something amazing here. Okay. Because what we're hearing from Lauren is that we are the biggest classiest, most gold-plated Presbyterian podcast in the world. Most All right, beloved. easy there, John Calvin Trump. I mean, look, here's um, here's the thing. I We did the research, because we yeah. want... We got to celebrate. It's a celebration, people. It's a, it, We should celebrate. All right. It's a jubilee, how, how, if you will. How do Presbyterians celebrate? Sweaters. <laughs> Sweaters for everyone to land's end. At, At this point, I think it's like... I think, I think it's like mustaches and pipes, right? Uh, probably uh, Ooh, elbow patches i yeah. like it look we did the research because we want to see how are we doing in right. the presbyterian youth programming right, right and right. we are the biggest right. classes must go play i did the research podcast. you mean someone sent us an email out of the blue and look so we we ran the numbers <laughs> and we're beating all of our competition in this key demo okay all okay. right what, who else who else is in there we're crushing the calvin kids okay nice <laughs> they spell kids with a z that's you know what that's how you know it's cool exactly right so we're killing them uh, blowing out of the water the John Knox Playhouse right all right wow. we've just right, right. we've destroyed them in the ratings <laughs> they, they 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 do sort of a dramatic reenactments of his doctrinal writing exactly Absolutely. right exactly right the only one we have any concern about I mean we're still way ahead by miles right. but I I think if we've got one to keep our eye on it's a new upstart podcast the total depravity of fun. And uh, yes. okay. yeah, that, yeah. that which one, is different than the total depravity of funk. Yeah, that's, which is a short-lived experiment during the nineties. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I I think uh, you know a lot of people write into this um, uh, podcast significantly less after this bit probably. They, they, 
<laughs> there goes one denomination. Um, what we the, a lot of people have questions about dating out there. We sure. have a, a lot of younger uh, college age uh, people listen to the thing, and you know they all. Um, uh, really like that Presbyterian podcast that's devoted to dating and uh, what have you, and it's it's run by a really attractive gal. Uh, it's sure. called Irresistible Grace. And, nice, nice. Um, yeah, all the guys are into that. Sure, you know, sure. And getting dating advice from Irresistible Grace. Sure, absolutely. And so uh, you know, sure, sure. Well, the the big tip I've listened to a fair amount of the the uh, Presbyterian Dating Podcast is good. Yeah. Now, they're, they're big on the giving of the gifts, and um, they're big on um, the, the giving of the gifts and the flowers, but they only want you to give tulips. To only yeah. tulips. Yeah. That's right. entirely right. remember why that is. They said it's the most it's the most theologically correct right. flower, which I, I, I didn't grow up Presbyterian. I didn't really get that, but they, they were really into it. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, right. Well, we have literally a million of these, but um, <laughs> I think we should probably Pres- pull the ripcord. Pres- Presbyterian humor is the most hilarious humor there is. <laughs> I mean, well, we do want to say, as we close it out here, we fully recognize that the reason a small group succeeds is because the people who run it care about the people there yeah, and exactly do right. some awesome stuff. And it's yeah, all man. small ministry, especially about one-on-one. And there's a bunch of cool people in that say that small group in Charleston. So we love you all, especially Dave and Lauren. Now, that no being doubt. said, if anybody in Presbyterian leadership asks, we're going to take full and total credit. Yes, that's correct. That's 100% We're telling right. you now, but yes. if anyone asks, like, you know, who can, oh, when we, who can advance us, we're taking full we, credit. When we talk to the, the, the uh, seminary guys and the, the denominational level guys, we're going to say, you know, we're actually beating you at being you. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that is exactly the kind of thing Glenn will say to them. <laughs> At their own meeting, (laughs) from the front, (laughs) I have heard it. (laughs) Here's here's how excited we are by these developments is we never declared emergency. This is not an emergency. This is a celebration. an emergency that we didn't declare an emergency. Okay, we we need to go and declare that off because we're running out of time. That's true. I declare emergency off. It's okay. It's okay. Sometimes it's very confusing. Totally. As Jed points out in this month's episode, episode, not episode, edition of Bridgebox, we do have a devotional from the head of church north american church planning for the presbyterian church in america we also have speaking of small groups every month we have a four-week formatted bible study that comes complete with memory verses and discussion questions that we actually have a fair number of people around the country using for small groups and if they have to like we actually had a, a friend of mine who works at a young life camp had to do like the staff devotional and just grab the Bridgebox one and use that. We've had people use them nice. in jail. So yep. that's a cool resource. We've got a lot of good stuff in Bridgebox. If you want to sign up for that, that's missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Not only do you get the sermons and the, and the songs that we talk about a lot and that we feature on our Bridge podcast, there's a lot of good teaching material in there too that if you run a small group or do some kind of ministry stuff can really help you out. And all that money goes to support the, the ministry we do here in Chicago. You can also sign up for the Lee Younger version, which has a lot of that same stuff yeah. and brand new songs from Lee every month. That's missionusa.com slash BBLY. You can always email me, Matt at missionusa.com. If you have questions or want to sign up for both for the super special price of only $12 a month. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. This is from our friend, either Philip or Philippe. I, it's only with the one L, so I apologize. Whichever, whichever one of those I pronounced right, go back in your own iPod, your own editing software, and delete the wrong one. So this says, I'm from a society where arranged marriages are the norm and dating is traditionally frowned upon. It says, I'm from India. I grew up in the Middle East, and I now live in China. 
This guy started out, Brother Fleet, I'm going to pause here and say, he's listened to every episode of this podcast, which nice. we think is the coolest thing yeah, ever. Yeah, that's amazing. And ended his email with a Joel Osteen joke. Wow. Nice. A guy grew, born in India, grew in the Middle East, now lives in Shanghai, who I have to assume would never have known who Joel Osteen is otherwise. Sure. Made a joke about Joel Osteen cyborgs, and that's the happiest I've ever been. Sure, Nicely sure. done. We're so, changing people's lives. I just appreciate the people that are that sophisticated, because I think almost anyone anywhere else in the world is more sophisticated than we are. Yeah, right. definitely. He's still yes. willing to listen to us. I know we sound like savages like, to we everyone We are the, the least world. worldly group of people yeah, on some right, level. I right. mean, we are just, yeah. Okay, so he goes on to say, I grew up where... Arranged marriages is the norm, and dating is traditionally frowned upon, though that is changing. I'm kind of culturally confused about dating. The international church I go to teaches dating with a view of marriage, while you guys talk about going on dates just to get to know someone first. Is dating a cultural phenomenon that's part of Western tradition, or is it a biblical principle that can be applied to people everywhere? Jed, why don't you kick us off? I can. And, uh, Philip, thanks so much for the question. Awesome question. Great to hear from you. Uh, And you're right to look at this and say, isn't there kind of a cultural element here and kind of what do I do with that? You're absolutely right about that. Here's the underlying principle, and this is super important. I'm so glad you asked. The principle, and I'm, uh, this comes from, uh, I learned this from Glenn, is the idea that a man of God acts, he does not react. Right. Um, it's the idea that a godly life, whatever cultural um, manifestations it may take, a godly life is one that is active and pursued, as opposed right. to passive and hunkered down. Let me break right. down what I mean. If you live in a society where the, peop- the way people find a spouse is through dating, then the godly approach to that is to engage with that process. Right. Is to say, I'm going to actively pursue this. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to get into it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, well, it might be bad. Things could happen. I mm-hmm. probably should sit over here and that way I'll be pure. That's right. actually not the godly approach at all. Right. Whatever the cultural setting is, the godly approach is active pursuit. Right. A man of God acts, he does not react. The thing, um, and we may not have given all this context, the thing that's been going on in the United States for probably about 15 years at this point has been a movement towards extreme passivity when it comes to romantic relationships. Right. Um, there are a lot of very unbiblical beliefs that basically to to want to be in a romantic relationship is a form of idolatry, mm-hmm. um, that uh, to pursue a romantic relationship is tantamount to desperation, any form of physical interaction, including like holding hands, is basically co-equal with sexual intercourse. Um, the the failure of a relationship to reach the point of marriage leaves one with emotional baggage uh, that can never truly be erased. If all this sounds like nonsense, it should, because it's, right. it's super not true and it's super not biblical. And those ideas, and a lot of them are, are sourced back to a very popular Christian book, again, from about 15 years ago. It had to do with, with a lot of these ideas and, and an idea called courtship. Um, uh, these have resulted in young people, and really people who aren't young anymore, people who are pushing 30, who refuse to go on dates. Right. Yeah. They, they refuse to ask someone out. They refuse to uh, say yes if they are asked out. And it's created really about a generation of people that are just that are just hunkered down and passive and unwilling to act when it comes to romantic relationships. That's that's what it's created. So um, and, and not to jump in there, but the, the ones who are getting married are equally don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, either, a lot of them have you know. still absorbed these messages, which are right. not. Not right. Yeah, Yeah, very, very damaging, very dangerous messages. So a lot of what you hear us saying is push back, become active. 
Pursue. Don't hunker down. Don't shrink back. Pursue actively. That's the thing. Now, how that's going to play out in your culture may be a completely different thing. But so, for example, if it's arranged marriage and your your parents say, you know, do you, you know, we found a lovely gal and she's mm-hmm. Christian and everything, mm-hmm. then you know, within the confines of whatever the Lord leads you to do, it's about saying, I'm pursuing that with everything I've got. Right, you know, I'm right. I'm going feet first everything I've got, throwing it into pursuing this thing that God's put before me. Mm-hmm. If God calls you to something, going after it guns blazing is always the right approach. Yeah. That doesn't mean thoughtlessly. That doesn't right, mean right. without consideration. But it does mean full force, everything I've got, I'm throwing into pursuing this thing that God has placed before right. me once I've discerned his leading on it. Yeah, w- wisdom and faith go together. Exactly right. Yeah. I think that's a great point. One of the things that's interesting it brings up in this question is the idea of culture cultures changing and cultures having changed since biblical times because as you point out philip in your question dating is just now reaching some areas of the world and really if you pull the lens back historically dating's as we know it is barely a century old in western in america i mean it's a very new thing so one of the things we're looking at here is how do we interpret things in how do we interpret scripture through the lens of a culture that changes and is scripture still viable for that? And Lee, can you talk us through a little bit of that? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, especially Philip, getting this question from from you, who you know you've been all over the Middle East and the East. And one thing that's really cool is that when when we approach the Bible, actually, the Bible is an Eastern book. It was written by yeah. Middle Eastern people. Yeah. The, yeah. the mindset, the philosophical schemata of the people who wrote this book were it was Eastern, and so you know it, it's. It's always been really a difficult jump for Western people with a Western mindset to understand a lot of the philosophy in the Bible. But, you know, it's interesting because, as Matt's saying, dating is a new thing. And dating practices are starting to spread into places like China and stuff like that. And But what's really cool is, even though the Bible doesn't specifically talk about dating, because culturally that never was a thing over there, Yet, the Bible talks about everything that you would need to know in order to pursue dating well. So, as Jed's saying, if you want to pursue this thing with guns blazing, going on this, you know, going on the offensive, you you know, being a bold man of God, the things that, the, the kinds of things that you would want to know in order to do this well. Well, the Bible talks about all those, how to be a person, how to be a friend, how to, how to love people well, how to serve people, how to follow Jesus and submit your will to him and his plan. The scripture talks about all of those kinds of things. These are the kinds of things that you're going to need to max out. You're going to need to know in order to, to, to do dating well. And and you're going to find those things. Like there's a whole chapter in first Corinthians chapter 13 about the way that love acts. There's a whole, there's a whole place that it's a little paragraph at the end of the book of Ephesians chapter four that talks about the godly way to communicate with people how communication works in the middle of conflict, in the middle of struggle and stuff like that. There's a whole, the whole first half of Philippians chapter two is all about how to serve people well. You know, you get that kind of stuff down. This is what love does. This is how we communicate in the middle of conflict. And this is how two people serve each other well. It's, it's funny because, you know, you can, you can say, well, the Bible doesn't talk about dating. And yet, God, who is outside of time, always knew that culture and the world was going this way, and, and we're set up. Everything that we need to know to do dating well, it's all right there. It's it's all right there. So even though culture is changing, the the word is, uh, you know, the Lord's word is ready to get you to the place that you need to go to in order to do this well, in order to be bold like Jed's talking about, and to pull it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an absolutely fantastic point. And another a- interesting aspect of this is that 
this will sound weird, but stick with me. Just because something's in the Bible doesn't mean it's biblical. Right. In the sense that the Bible is a document of its time. Now it's also a document, as Lee pointed out, a document out of time. Mm-hmm. But Glenn, he kind of walks through the fact that, okay, dating's not in the Bible. Right. Actually, arranged marriage is in the Bible. Correct. That's not actually a value statement of either one being better than the other. That's it's right. just a lens through which we view this whole thing. Yeah, it's, it, uh, arranged marriage is mentioned in the Bible, and it, it existed. It was the almost, it was the dominant yeah. cultural theme of the time. Absolutely right, and, and for centuries and centuries afterwards, absolutely correct. Um, here's the thing. I, I, really, I would base a lot of this off of what Jed was bringing out, which is this idea of um, uh, uh, the, the ask her this question is posing, they're sort of dating, uh, as he puts it, with an in, an intent to marry was that with a with a you know with view a view of marriage, marriage yeah, yeah view of marriage. Uh, and then we're talking about dating in order to get to know someone yeah. and then there's a there's a process where where there's you an arrangement trying to do the marriage, marriage first and the dating second exactly right here's the thing about that is uh, first of all let's be honest if we're just going to talk uh, you know uh, culture uh, there's nothing about dating culture that's in the Bible yeah. at all nope. and so there's that. Uh, if you want to talk about which culture has produced better quality marriages in in, in you know uh, the past couple of centuries, uh, arranged marriages may nudge out uh, a traditional dating you know dating marriages. Well, that's an interesting point. Then you may hear this sometimes, and we we may have even said on the podcast before. Actually, statistically, arranged marriages have a much better success rate in the sense of not getting divorced. Sure. Right. Now, part of the thing that affects that is there, and a lot of them happen in countries and cultures where women can't legally file stigma. for divorce on yeah. any grounds, including really jacked up relation things. But I think one of the things we're all pointing to is it's not the structure that makes the relationship good. Absolutely right. I, I mean, uh, certainly uh, I could make a case for arranged marriages. I mean, that's, you know, uh, if you say we're your parents, we love you, we know you really well, we know kind of what you like, but also we know marriage. We yeah. know mm-hmm. a lot of stuff about marriage stuff of who's a really, who would be a really good person to get married and who would re- be a really good fit for you. And assuming, this is a giant assume, assumption, but assuming you had parents who were really sharp and lined out on that stuff, uh, you'd be a little crazy not to consider that. I, I remember when I was in, in high school, I dated a gal for just a little bit um, and uh, um, my parents thought this was the greatest gal on earth and just l- n- lock this gal down and marry her and whatever. I was like, ah, you know, the, you know there's, a, there's a lot of ladies out there and they all want to, you know, they all want to... Can't be tied down. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I, I went off to school and, and things kind of uh, uh, died a natural death there. Uh, I and I got into some unhealthy relationships and learned a little bit about dating and learned about who's a quality person and and uh, I ran into this gal again later and realized just just in just visiting and her talking about who she was dating and crushing me at that point that wow this gal had all those ingredients I couldn't see that because yeah. I was just too young and clueless and whatever and these are the things that you learn when you date this is why we do date is to recognize those things so. Here's the thing. Let me bottom line this thing for you. There actually isn't a big difference between what we're talking about and learning to uh, dating in order to learn about people and what your parents may be talking about with arranged marriages. In one case, they're helping you pick that person. Uh, I don't know a ton, a ton, a ton about Indian culture, but my understanding is 
that you that, that generally the 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 there is some input there, there's a vote yeah yes. there's a sort of a, a a veto process so to speak as sure. we would say um <laughs> so uh and then you get a two-thirds why do you have that gavel yeah yeah, yeah. there's uh, so many things i'm not saying right now they're all awesome always trust that instinct yeah but that's that's the thing is, if it's your mom and dad picking it, if it's you're picking it, somebody's picking something, yeah. and we're moving forward. That's not what these Christians are doing. They're yeah. not picking anything. They're yeah. just saying yeah. they're not moving right. forward. They're not engaging in the dating process. And what they are doing is it's part of your development is getting to know the opposite sex, getting to uh, form relationships with them, understanding how to do that. Now, you can do that in a million different contexts, but by ignoring uh, having those interactions and having those relationships, uh, what you're doing is creating uh, a, a situation where you don't know how to be in a quality relationship, and uh, right. that that information has to come to you somehow. You can't just ignore that and and do without. I think it's a really interesting point, and that goes back to what Lee was saying earlier about the Bible it doesn't say anything specifically about dating. There's a lot of stuff about courage, yep. yeah. about discipline, about yes, respect, about facing things head on. Absolutely, that is applicable to if if you decide to date. It's also probably applicable. We don't know this culture as well to arranged marriage. There's a lot of right. stuff about kind of commitment and. All that stuff, Jed. Well, to that point, man, whether you got there by dating, you got there by arrangement, at a certain point, all the guests have left, and it's you and her. Right. Um, And now it's just a marriage of two people. And if you're not both facing things head on as grown people with courage, with commitment, that marriage is going to suck. Well, that goes to a point. I think uh, Glenda's made this before. This may have been something. This is the advice your father gave you of no matter how well you think you know this woman, no matter how long we've... Once you're married, everything changes. That's Absolutely right. It's an entirely right. new relationship. As the Bible, again, going back biblically, says it is now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And we've also said on this podcast, good marriages are made. Yes. Right? Here's the thing. If you have an arranged marriage, it's understood. We have to make something out yes. of it. So that, yeah. I, Which is I, a much healthier perspective. Much healthier perspective. So, yeah, actually, that we can say this part definitively. Uh, what your parents may be talking about with arranged marriages is healthier than what... Today's well, can be, anyway. can, can be. be, can be, correct, can be much healthier than what Christians are on. They'd be better off just saying someone arranged this because I don't. Which, in a weird know. way, is what a lot of the Christian dating stuff is hoping for. They're hoping for right. a supernatural arranged marriage. Yeah, yes, exactly yeah. right. But yeah. Lee, let, yeah. let me get you to close out on one thought here because one thing I want to make clear. I think it's a great point that um, our question asker brings up is you know. My church and a lot of churches talk about dating with a view towards marriage, and you guys seem to be talking about dating, getting to know someone. We're actually not saying anything different. We're not talking about dating without the idea of marriage coming up. We're just kind of talking about prioritizing that a little differently sure. to minimize the freak out. So can you, Lee works with a lot of high school and college kids and does a lot of premarital counseling. Can you kind of give us an idea of what it looks like to date with marriage eventually in mind, but that being different than this idea of you shouldn't date someone unless you're sure you're going to marry them. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of times I'll have conversations with, uh, I'll have conversations with guys and they're like, I just don't know about this relationship. I don't know if I can see myself marrying them. And I'm like, why are we having that conversation? You don't you're know s- them. You shouldn't see yourself marrying you're, them. You're 16 years old. Let's all <laughs> relax. You know, but at the same time, there are things that you can learn. So, you know, it, the idea of, of dating somebody with the view towards marriage is, you know, okay, so this, this person and I, our personalities clash in this way. And what happens to me, you know, when we get into a conflict, how am I reacting to 
into that? And do, am I flying off the handle? Is she able to deal with the, the way that I am? And then you, you get into a relationship and you realize this thing, you know, it, it completely blows up. You got Chernobyl at the end of it. And then, as we've said before, now you know something about yourself. This is the kind of person that I really don't jive with. And that's the kind of when, when you when you start to date somebody and you're and you're learning things about yourself and about other kind of personality types or the way that other people work and you're figuring out, you know, and you know, how is this gonna work? I was talking to a guy the other day and he said he said, Yeah, I think I'm gonna break up with this girl because um he said, I don't know, man, she's just she's she's a little too high maintenance. And uh and I was like, Okay, uh now that de- I said, what what do you mean by that? And That's like, a group well, of words that jerks tend to use. So yeah, and I said, uh, I, I said, what do you mean by that? And he was just like, man, there's just a, it just takes a lot. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of talking, and uh, you know, and, uh, and so I she said, has all me, these feelings and opinions. I, I, and I said, brother, you might want to consider, uh, you might want to consider, uh, you know, not dating anybody. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah, search you yourself know, out, dude. Yeah, so here here's the thing and and you know the with the idea that look, if you're going to if you are going to be in a long-term relationship with another human being and with a woman, you are going this is going to be work. And you're going to it's going to be work the whole time. You're going to it's it's going to be you're going to learn a lot about each other. It's going to be good, but it's going to be difficult. And so it's this kind of thing of like you start to learn how to do that work. You know, you learn how to do that work, and and this is what eventually some of this stuff is kind of a taste of what maybe marriage might be like. But it's not this deal of if I date someone, now I've made a commitment, and to break up with them is this is on par with kind of getting a divorce. Is that kind of what you're? Aiming yeah, at absolutely. There? I think that's all a great point. I will um, I will cut off maybe or we'll head off maybe some thoughts that some of our female listeners are having. I will head off some conversations that our other co-hosts might be having with their wives. And this episode comes out. No one's saying that being married to women is harder than being married to men because holy crap, is that not true? Oh but, no, I'm terrible to live with. I'm completely yeah, aware I, of that. Just I'm, a, you I'm know, a disaster. Want to be clear that we're coming from a very specific perspective, but we're not saying it's the correct one on everything. <laughs> which brings, as we close this out, it brings an interesting point. It's, we really love getting this question. And here's the thing: this podcast actually reaches a wider swath of people than we ever thought it would culturally, which sure. is really cool to us. But if you hear something like this and say that doesn't quite jive with, we are coming at things from a very kind of American Southern dude, Southern dude, but also dealing with what's been going on in the American church culture for right, right, right. the last 10, 15 years. I mean, we've all Glenn's been in professional ministry for 25 years. Uh, Lee and Jed about uh, 10 each and me coming up on a few. So we we're all kind of hyper tuned into what's going on in a very specific, even slice of Western Christian culture. Yeah. Right. So a lot of this is we get a lot of messages from maybe college-age gals dealing with this one thing in America. So we come at it in a way to disarm that, to use Glenn's term, to defang it. But you might be saying, well, I'm not, that doesn't hit my ears right because you're not dealing with the same messages they're getting bombarded with. Yes. So just just write us in. The cool thing, I think one of the cool things we've learned from this podcast is that, um, as Lee was pointing to earlier, the gospel is outside of time and outside of culture. Right. But part of the cool thing in ministering to people is we want to help you 
figure out how it works in your life, right. in your place, your culture. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Lee, you, got, you want to close out on something? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's, you know, for me, working with <laughs> most of the time high school guys, sometimes college age guys, you get a situation where, you know, and, and, and I, I appreciate you coming in and, and cleaning up some of that because it's like, from my perspective, working with guys, you get a thing a lot of times where guys are just, what they want is, you know, they just want to hang out, maybe make out some. And if anybody has feelings, then I'm running for the hills. Yeah. You know, so to, to give people the idea of like, look, if you ever want to sustain anything with anybody, guy, girl, whatever, it is going to take words. It is going to take communication. It's going to take time. It's going to take forgiveness. It's going to take all kinds of ability to handle conflict. It's going to take work. And and that's the whole thing is, is uh, you're not signing up to marry somebody anytime you date, but you can learn a lot about what you're like inside that kind of situation that's absolutely a great point right, we're gonna move on to our next question here it came into our tumblr anonymously it says leviticus 2018 says if a man has sexual relationships relationships with a woman during her menstrual period both of them must be cut off from the community for together they have exposed the source of her blood flow there are so many verses in the bible that contradict what christians say or even contradict other bible verses this is just one example, and thank you for choosing that example for me to say out loud in a recorded <laughs> medium. Why does God tell us one thing, but it feels like he says or other Christians are saying something different somewhere else? So Glenn, can you start us off? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. We get a certain number of these questions, and it sounds like it came from someone else. Uh, it just, And here's how we determine that. It's, it, it's one of those things where it... It, it sounds like a repeated meme uh, that has not been thought through very well. Your show's so sure of your God, but could he microwave a burrito so hot even he couldn't eat it? Could Literal he, Glenn? Wow. question I was asked by a high school freshman in a Young Life Campaigner's Bible study. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just blew your mind, didn't you, I? You, you did. I've been reading a lot of stuff lately. You're welcome. The word <laughs> microwave was in the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, actually, in it, that actually does take me back to the point I want to make, which is uh, modern context versus ancient context. Uh, if you asked uh, a uh, super fancy Bible scholar person, uh, and, and I happen to know guys like that, um, and I feel sorry for them, and that's why I hang out with them. Sure. Um, but um, if, if you talk to those guys, they use a fancy term called contextualization. What they mean by that is when you read the Bible, you have to put it in its proper context. And uh, once you do that, you can figure out how to put it in the context of your life. Uh, and um, that allows you to understand it on a deeper, more transcendent level and how to apply it to your situation. In uh, ancient times, in biblical times, uh, we're making a sweeping generalization here, but generally speaking, your wealth depended on the number of kids that you had. The more kids that you have, the more people you have to work the land, the more you can harvest, the more money that you can get from selling it in the marketplace, the more mo food the community has, and everyone gets better. Uh, if the other guys come over the hill and want to fight us and we have more young strapping sons than we can 
hold on to our land and and all of that. So generally speaking, in ancient culture, the more kids you had, the better, and that was that was a big a, a big uh, concern. Nowadays, it's kind of less so. We, we you know we want to uh, uh, purposely restrict the amount of kids that we have in order that we can um, make sure that we take good financial care of them and so on and so forth. Here's the thing. Uh, what is difficult is trying to explain to those people who want to have lots and lots of children how to have children when they don't understand the basic biology of sperm and egg fertilization. Uh, so basically giving they them... They did not have apps for that. Yeah, giving them a... Giving them a, a, a and they didn't have microwaves either, y'all. No. Uh, so giving them some sort of instruction that says this is the time in which to have relations and this is the time not to... Uh, makes a certain amount of sense. Uh, it, it, so there's that's an, an element of this thing that I think we need to start off with is to recognize this is written for a different time and place. Now we can extrapolate that that you know uh, from that that the Lord uh, uh, you know has uh, an instruction for couples on when. Uh, it's the right time to bring a child into the world and what they need to do to prepare for that. And they need to be in prayer about that because in the Old Testament, the Lord gave them instructions about that, about bringing children into the world and so on and so forth. So if you put it in that context, you can extrapolate it to your situation. You're purposely not doing that and saying, well, the Bible says this, and we have to do exactly what the Bible says without any understanding of what it's trying to, the point it's trying to make. And that's what we call legalism. Legalism yeah. is when you take the letter of the law and you obey it uh, while also violating the spirit of the law. <laughs> uh, in this case, that is saying, I have to do the exact things that are in the word of this Bible without asking God at all what he meant by it. Yeah. By not letting him give uh, an amplified and specified understanding of how to apply that word in my life. So I'm ignoring God at the same time as I'm super following his word, and that makes me super righteous. That's what we call legalism. And here's the thing about that that's really fascinating. Uh, Jesus super hated that and <laughs> really, really, really rebuked it really super hard. So uh, I think we need to start off with that understanding here. I think it's a great point. And while we're giving context, Lee, can you give us maybe a little background on the point of Leviticus and who it was written to? Yeah, Leviticus is funny. It's, it's a book that was written to the, the people of God after they had come out of slavery in Egypt for where they had been. The people of God had been slaves of the Egyptians for 400 years. So not only none of them, by the time they left with Moses and the plagues and the Red Sea and the whole deal, and they're wandering in the desert and the wilderness, they had never known anybody who was free. They had never yeah. known anybody who had owned private property. They had never known anybody who had had their own personal goods. That had, and not only that, they had never known a great-grandfather, great-grandmother, anybody for generations back. They had been slaves longer than people have been, longer than the United States has been a country at this point. Yeah. Like, almost twice as long. I mean, this is, this is the only identity these people had. And all of a sudden, you've got two and a half million people out in the desert, and you're free. But they're like, well, what does that mean? And so God writes the book of Leviticus through Moses as a way to say, here's how you uh, treat each other with 
now all of a sudden you get to own stuff. And now all of a sudden you get to farm land and it's your land and you get to, and you get to have a house and you get to have cattle and you get to have clothes and you get to have friends and neighbors and all this kind of stuff that you've never understood before. And how do you, how do you help people work this out who have never had an experience of this in their entire life? And one thing that we also have to understand is that this, these rules were coming down at a time where every culture in the world was absolutely cruel towards women. It just did not care at all. It didn't give them a voice. It didn't give them a voice in the society or any kind of importance. And in some ways, some of these, some of the rules that, that come down in, in the book of Leviticus were really a, a way to show respect towards women and to give them, you know, to, to like, look, you need to consider what a woman is going through, lay off, give her some space, you know, let's, let, let's be cool here. Um, there's, there's actually a place in, in uh, kind of rabbinic law through some stuff that Leviticus says that if a man neglects to give his wife food or love, that she can give a bill of divorce to him. And this is this was which like, would have been re- revolutionary in like 19th century America. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way that God lays some of this da- some of this stuff down for women is unbelievably revolutionary. The way Jesus treated women is revolutionary. And as Glenn's saying, we, you know, this, the law is is something that God gave people that we are not under anymore. But but it, it's cool for us to kind of understand where all this came from. And that uh, for a lot, in a lot of ways, God is teaching these, these people how to be people, how to be in relationship, how to own stuff, how to, how to have a whole new life that they had never known anything about. I think that's a great point. You've heard a lot of good stuff from both Glenn and Lee on kind of the Bible, the theological background, and the some really good wisdom on this. But it's entirely possible that this question is coming from not a theological background, but from an emotional one. And Jed, can you speak to that a little bit? Mm. I can. Um, a sis, uh, it sounds a whole lot like church people have been a huge jerk to you, yep. and uh, we are so sorry for that. Um, uh, there are a lot of people out there that go to church, will call themselves Christians, invoke the name of Jesus, who just um, are just terrible, terrible people in the way they live their lives and the way that they interact with other people. And in a, here's something you don't hear a lot from us on the show, in an offensive way, try to use the scriptures and the words of Jesus to try to back up what they're on. Yeah, that's exactly Which there's right. a lot of, um, luckily it's kind of dying out, there's a lot of people who would use verses like this to say that, Somehow women are inherently lesser or unclean or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, dude, um, uh, church people are, uh, not all of them obviously, but there are a lot of church people that horribly mistreat women. And uh, if to the whatever extent you've experienced that, and I have a suspicion it's quite a little bit, we're so sorry for it. Um, you need to know that it's wrong. You need yes. to know it's not biblical. Yes. You need to know we're not okay with it. Right. Most importantly, you need to know God's not okay with it. Yep. Um, we're always fine. Any Bible question, anything you want to ask about, we'd love to hear about it. But to whatever extent this is really about, these people acted like jerks to me. What does God think about that? The answer is he burns with anger right. that they would yeah. treat you that way. That, that's, that's the answer, I think, to your underlying question. Mm-hmm. But now I'd like to go one step further uh, and, and suggest something to you for the future. And, and that is there are few bits of spiritual wisdom greater than this don't feed the trolls yeah um you know this when you're online you see a person just they're just trying to just stir up drama um they're just trolling and you know that the right answer is don't feed the trolls just ignore them block them don't interact with them the same thing works with church people um there are trolls in every church i've ever been in 
Mm-hmm. Don't feed the trolls. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to want to talk to you. They're going to want to tell you with well, this and that and woo 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 and women and besides and so forth. Don't in, don't engage with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't don't have that argument. And here's why: it's not because um, it's not an argument worth having in the right context. It's not because you don't have a point. It's because they don't deserve your time. Right. They don't deserve yep. your energy. All you're going to do is wear yourself out because they're not open to changing their view on anything That's ever. Right. And there are plenty of people out there who are. Exactly right. Don't, you know, only a fool has a fool's argument, as Matt would say. Don't uh, don't dignify their stupidity yes. with your response. Okay. Um, uh, move on. Help people that want to be helped. Live your life. The best revenge is living right. I guarantee you every one of those trolls is miserable. Take godly vengeance upon them by going forth and having joy and satisfaction in your own life. Yeah, I, if I could just add a little piece onto that, and I, I love what Jed is saying here. This, you know, um, there's so many verses in the Bible that contradict and, and, and contradict other Bible verses and so on and so forth. Again, these are things that uh, that we hear on the quad. And, we, and the, even people who are kind of grew up in church or whatever, it's hard. It's easy to understand how people come by that um, honestly. If yes. you hear a lot of Bible getting quoted out of context, it sounds a lot like there are things saying diametrically opposed things. That, and, and you just you just hit on the, the thing. Bad, here's, here's how bad doctrine is created. We take one verse, yep. we fo- focus on that, and we throw everything else out. Yep. That's how you create heresy. Heresy isn't we change, we just do something different from the Bible. That's a different religion. Yep. Heresy is we take one thing and we There's ignore. this one word in this one translation of the thing that means this, and that throws the whole thing over, man. Yeah, and as Jed's indicating, these are damaged people who that fits their damage. Their misinterpretation of the Bible fits their damage, and so that's what they're really going on. Here's the thing. if I, You have to understand, uh, and we're all referencing the idea that the Old Testament is an old covenant, New Testament is a new covenant. That's why they have different names. Yes. Um, about a dozen times in the New Testament, it says, this is something new. If you, ta- <laughs> if you take a communion, probably in your, the liturgy of your church, they quote Jesus who says, this is a new covenant mm-hmm. yes. in my blood, meaning this is a new agreement. This is new stuff. What you're quoting is from the old stuff, and you you may not know that. The people quoting it to you should know that, but that's that's a clear thing. But you have to understand the nature of this thing. If I te- If you work for me, and on Monday I say, sweep the floor, and then I come in on Tuesday and say, wash the windows, you would not look at that situation and say, well, I thought you said sweep the floors. You're just totally contradicting yourself. That's not how that works. Yeah. I told you to do something on Monday. <laughs> I told you to do something different on Tuesday. It's not that I have performed some sort of radical change within my nature. It's not that uh, I'm trying to confuse you by giving you contradictory information. It's a I'm new day. It's a new day. Yesterday I'm telling you to do this thing in this way. The next day, I'm saying I have a new agreement and a new relationship with you based on grace, based on the sacrifice that Jesus has made. This is new. You have to understand the new information that I'm giving you. We can't ignore that. And again, that's where this this heresy comes from. And we get a lot of questions that really come down to, well, Leviticus. I mean, understand the amount of knowledge of Leviticus 
that that gets thrown at me is unbelievable. I can't imagine how well people know Leviticus. Yeah. I think I think there's probably a, a lot of people out there asking questions that know Leviticus better than I do. Sure. <laughs> uh, the New Testament they haven't gotten to that yet. And believe me, there's lots of cool stuff that made all the papers when it came out. Totally. And everything. So you you want to get into that? Well, I think it's an interesting point. We'll close out on this. One of the things, one of the reasons it's difficult to understand the idea of an old and new covenant, the way it's described in the Bible, is Jesus says, I, d- I did not come to do, get get rid of the law, but I came right. to fulfill it. Right. So we're used to this idea, okay, there's a couple weird things. We're going to go back to some of, the, some of the cultural stuff we were going to. There's, on some people, there's an idea of, if it's old, it's good. Right, right. The Constitution's good. Sure. Right, right. Because it's withstood a whole, almost 300 years. Yeah. It is by far wow. the most enduring historical document in the history of documents. Right. You get some people <laughs> drive up on that. I have nothing against the Constitution. Save your letters. Right. Um, <laughs> but... Here's, I like the Constitution. Sure. It's either that, like it's old, right. so it's better, it's good. That's actually an idea that goes all the way back to kind of the Romans. The, the Romans were very big on, we know it's good because it's old. We, yeah. we're trying, Caesar is trying to show his lineage all the way back to Romulus and Remus. So mm-hmm. that's a whole thing that's embedded in a lot of the culture. The Romulans are tough, though. They got them, the, the cloaking. But go ahead. That cloaking will get you, man. Yeah, keep, keep your ears up for the next episode when Glenn's like, I don't know what all you nerds are talking about. I'm a cool one. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all I know is that the, them Kardashians, they're, they're, them the, the dudes with the neck, wide necks in the Deep Space Nine. So the, I get confused. When sure, why are we keeping up with them? What, why Why we got to keep up with them? They, you know, they're, they're out there in deep space. So a lot of worlds collided on that one. Um, but, or there's the alternate idea of a, a revision is made to correct something. So go back, I'll use the Constitution example. We have amendments to the Constitution because there's something in there that's super boned. Like maybe certain people are three-fifths of people. Right? Yeah, right. That's clearly a horrifically wrong thing. We must add something to, fix to that. correct it. The weird thing that's going on with the Bible is the New Testament doesn't say the Old Testament was wrong and useless right. and we should throw it out. Correct. But it also doesn't say that the Old Testament has all the really deep kind of extra level stuff and this is like a summary right so it's an interesting thing where the old testament is there to help us understand more give us more context right give us more coloring for our understanding of what's in the new testament and the the uh, paul uses that way a good example of this is the ten commandments Mm -hmm. paul says we're not supposed to ignore the ten commandments but the point of it isn't what you think it is Right. The point of it is that no one can keep those. Yeah, right. So we need a savior. Yeah. So by the way, <laughs> state of Alabama, people, I stand on the Ten Commandments. No, you don't. That's not Christianity. That's the opposite of Christianity. Yeah. yeah. If you want to declare a Jewish national state in Alabama, right. that's fine. I kind of actually be all for that because that'd be interesting. <laughs> but that's not actually a Christian idea. So, boy, we have yes, we have an understanding of the the way the Old Testament and New Testament interact. That it's uh, not a lot of people have a clear understanding of that because it's a little complicated and it's not always explained well. Yeah. So that to say, hopefully we gave you a little bit of the idea that start of the New Testament is going to say, if anything throws up, there's this one verse in Leviticus that totally contradicts the whole gospel. Probably not the way that works. Let me stop you right there, Bob. Yeah. Feel free to write us in. We, we, we have infinite patience for those kind of, those are very good questions. Going to go to our final question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, what are some good strategies for dealing with addiction? My family has a long history of mental illness and addiction, and although I've overcome one particularly nasty addiction, an illegal one, I found myself slowly falling into another one, legal but super unhealthy and getting worse by the day. With your experience work with, lo- with folks dealing with addiction, what are some strategies you can recommend? Thanks. Lee, why don't you start us off? 
Uh, first of all, thanks for writing this question, and we're sorry that you're going through something tough. And and as you say, that it's a, uh, it's getting worse, and that's a uh, that's a tough spot to be. And I want you to know, first of all, that we're we're praying for you. We we uh, we love you. We care about you. Um, I I uh, as quickly as possible, I want to kind of take some stuff off the top here and and kind of yield the floor to these guys, uh, Glenn and Jed, who have extensive experience uh, professionally dealing with people in addiction for their kind of their whole career. And uh, I've had a little bit of experience dealing with folks in addiction behind bars and and uh, some more experience dealing with people who have who kind of get hung up on things that are legal things. And, and, you know, there, there are all all kinds of things that you don't know. Sometimes you might classify it as an addiction. Sometimes you might not, but legal stuff that you get hung up on that's not healthy and you want to get rid of maybe things like could be gambling or, or uh, pornography or cigarettes or something like that. In in the cases of those types of things, I, I can say that I've had a lot of experience dealing with, uh, you know, a lot of young folks and kind of uh, wanting to kind of curtail, get rid of, uh, you know, the, their their kind of interaction with pornography. And one of the one of the things that we've found as far as the best kind of strategy moving forward with that is to get a team of people, kind of a tribe of people who are there to support you. Sure. To, to help you, to talk to you about it, who understand what you're going through, who who know what it feels like. Because basically what you've got is you've got a behavior going on that you're doing that you're doing it for a reason it's giving you something and at the same time you don't want to be a part of this anymore you want to kind of move away from this and get rid of it the problem is it's actually doing something for you and that's why you keep going back to it and so what we want to figure out is why are you doing that thing what is it giving you what is triggering your desire to be a part of this or or the the the, you know the action of, of doing this thing and how can we strategically plan another way or a healthier way to get at the thing that, that, this, that this thing is currently giving you? And so, for instance, if, if a guy was, let's say you got a young guy that's caught up in, in uh, pornography, he wants, to, he wants to move past this, he wants to get to a healthy place in his life where it's not a part of his life anymore. Well, the best thing that he can do is to get a group of, of friends who he can be completely honest with and won't judge him at all, who know where he's coming from, and he can kind of talk about, these are the things that trigger this behavior. And then the first thing that he would find out is other guys would say, oh, dude, I have been there. I know exactly where you're coming from. I, I've, I've experienced those same triggers, those same behaviors. And, and let me tell you, from my experience, whenever that happens, I've found some freedom in doing this. And so he goes and tries that out and, and kind of develops a strategy, a tactic together with a group of friends who can be supportive, who understands where he's coming from. And I think that's a great place to start, to have kind of a tribe, a group of people who understand you, won't judge you, who you can talk about these triggers and these behavior, you know, what's starting this behavior and come at it with some tactics and strategies together. That's a great point. I want to pick up on something Lee was talking about towards the end there, this idea of being triggered. And a lot of addictive behavior comes from coping mechanisms. So, you, Jed, can you talk us through what it means to understand that and help how that helps you develop the strategy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Lee is exactly right. Any destructive behavior in your life, you do on some level because you get something out of it. It, it gives you something. One of the key things it gives us in a lot of cases is it helps to soothe us 
with the tougher areas of our lives. Um, the, the term that the counselors often use for that is it's a coping mechanism. We have a difficult thing in our lives we're having a hard time coping with, and then we have this behavior that helps us to cope with it. It makes it easier to endure this difficult reality in our lives. Um, and, and again, the term they use is a coping mechanism. The problem is over time, it's very easy, actually fairly quickly, for coping mechanisms to become addictions. Um, uh, if you, if you yeah. keep going to this thing to make you feel better... Um, um, that it's very easy for that to become habitual. Well, if that's part of what you're dealing with, you know, with addiction, and it almost always is an element of addiction, then the thing we want to ask is, what is it you're trying to cope with in the first place? What is it that's going on in your life that makes you feel like you need something to help you get by? Um, you know, with with a lot of the folks that we work with in the inner city, um, one of the things for them that tends to be a very common kind of core reality that they've been trying to cope with their whole lives is a terrible family situation. Um, just a, a nuclear meltdown level of awful stuff going on at home. And so they turn to a controlled substance to help ease that pain. And the thing is, uh, at first, it actually works really well um, because they don't care nearly as much about how bad things are at home. And... Um, but then over time, that cure actually becomes a problem in its own right, and, and, and now you have a full-blown addiction. So I think the thing I would ask you is to look at, are there things in life that you're using this behavior to cope with? Are there things in your life that you're using this behavior so that you can get by? And to the extent that that's true, and it's almost certainly going to be true at least a little bit, then I think we want to ask, um, uh, first, let's identify what those areas are, those areas of struggle. Maybe that's difficult relationships with family. Maybe that's difficult romantic relationships. Maybe that's money problems. Maybe that's expectations at school or at work. Um, we want to identify those areas of struggle, but then we want to ask, what's an actual healthy way to face those things head on? What's an actual healthy way to handle those issues in an adult and godly way? Because one of the things that happens in long-term addiction is you get it in your head, I can't face problems head on. Right. The only right. thing that I can do is medicate myself and try and hide from those problems. Mm -hmm. And it's a terrible lie because actually you can face all of these problems head That's on. Right. That's Not right. a single one of them will kill you. Um, God won't let you go through things you can't handle. Exactly right. That's a promise in the Bible. Right. And, and we have watched it be true in our own lives and lives of countless people that we've worked with. Yep. Whatever that area that you feel like you need to cope with is, you can handle it. Mm -hmm. that, that, I want to be clear. That doesn't mean you can handle it continuing to be the way it is without change. I mean, you can handle confronting that area. Right, you can face it. And you can face it and walk to a place of change and a healthier place where you don't need a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. So I really want to encourage you to build on what Lee said and to set up for what I'm sure Glenn's about to say to figure out how do I figure out what am I trying to cope with and let's address those things head on. Uh, fantastic point. Go ahead, Glenn. Uh, yeah, no, I, th that's uh, that's what we call li uh, living, or what uh, twelve step uh, people call living life on life's terms. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing: uh, it, it, as, as these you guys are saying, we've dealt a lot with addiction. And if I could zoom out and sort of give you the big picture view of that, if we could look at big trends, big um, uh, 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 groups that these things kind of tend to fall into. It always falls into two distinct groups. Group number one says, I am stronger than this addiction. I am more powerful than it. I can do anything I want. I can handle anything I want. And Jesus. Sure. Jesus comes in there and sprinkles a little extra strength on the end. <laughs> and that is great. That's group number one. 
Group number two says, this addiction is bigger than me. Yes. I am an addict. Yes. Okay. And uh, it's almost like you're describing group two begins by saying, we admit that our lives have become unmanageable and recognize the need of a higher power to come in and rescue Uh, us. It's almost as if these people are confessing that they have a weakness and admitting a need for some supreme being to strengthen them. Would it be fair to say that they are powerless over right. their addiction? And, and then they, they need a power higher than their addiction. That can maybe restore them to sanity. Exactly right. Okay. More um, inside jokes about AA than any other Christian podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a guarantee. Yeah, we're joking because we're, we're quoting AA there. It also happens to perfectly dovetail with a proper understanding as Christians of how to handle these situations. Well, I mean, that is Christianity. Yes, I mean, that, that, right. that moment of saying, I am a sinful person who is overwhelmed by my sin and cannot fix it on my right. own, and I need a savior to rescue me right. that is orthodox christianity sounds a lot like the sinner's exactly. prayer yeah yeah and that's the thing is if you say i am an addict i need something bigger than me to deal with this addiction you're as we're saying you're sort of in biblical territory if you're saying i am bigger than this addiction i am i my willpower <laughs> is is such that if i turn it on it behold will, yeah behold <laughs> That is actually not Christianity. It's not biblical. And here's the really beautiful part is you have personally proven that's not true. Yeah. Because you have become addicted. If you had the power to just put your foot down, we we, we would not have gotten to this point. So we the one thing we know for sure is you do not have the power within you. You are not the, the bigger than this problem. That and he, here's the thing. That's true of all different kinds of things. Absolutely. I, I face stuff I do not have the power or strength to deal with, not even close. God in fact calls me into situations. I don't have the strength. I yes. don't have the wisdom. Holy yes. cow. I don't have the patience. I don't have the sanctification. I don't have I and I say, God, if you're gonna make me do that, you're gonna have to like give me stuff and I'm going to have to like pray to you all day every day and like receive things from you and totally depend on you and the, that's when the Lord says oh huh. I see yeah. <laughs> yeah how about that you know well to, to be super biblical on it that perfectly mirrors the beginning of 2 Corinthians where Paul talks about this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God right. who raises the dead <laughs> exactly right and there's an interesting point in all this because there's a real one of the problems that stops people from facing addictions head on which if you're a question writer you've already faced one head on so like again that's not a small thing that's, not at that's all. a huge victory um is there's a lot of judginess around addiction yeah yes. as you pointed out in your question with uh, your family history addiction is you know it's combinate a lot of its combination there are certainly genetic components True. especially to certain substances yeah. there's a lot of home life look we deal with a lot of people on a day job where i say look if i grew up in that house in this neighborhood crack would have seemed like a really welcome respite totally yeah, yeah. exactly but there's all this judginess of being an addict is not about lack of willpower no, or right. moral blah, blah, blah. That's, and if somebody's trying to put that on you, you've got to find a different program. Absolutely right. And I think the, the humility is what beats that. Yeah, if you say, sure. I'm an addict, I know myself, I have an addictive personality, I can, go, you know, it, rather, I can get over one addiction, but then I jump into the next one. So that means I have an, an ad- addictive thing. I need to go to the most successful 12-step thing that I can find in order to deal with that. They're going to tell me to live life on life's terms, just like Jed was saying. Um, they're going to tell you um, to stop playing with it yep. and stop wounding it and killing it. 
they're going to tell you to change your people, places, and things. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that you're in a different crowd, taking things in a different context. Um, they're going to tell you to to have a sponsor, someone you're accountable to, that you can you can share with. Uh, one other little thing I want to tack on here is um, sometimes when we're stuck in a negative, self-destructive behavior. It's hard for us to imagine who would I be yes. if I wasn't this. Yes, uh, yes, Because yes. when you're in, in an addictive cycle, there's a lot of self-destructive stuff, and people give you attention for that, for yeah. example. And you're the subject of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Then, if you were normal, probably you would be invisible. Totally. No totally. one would notice you're there anymore. Sure. You would cease to be, you know. Um, and that's a real worry. That's a real concern. It's might be more of an, on a subconscious level. You're not consciously sure. thinking those things. But we deal with a lot of people who really deep, 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 deep down subconsciously don't want to uh, are afraid of what w- they would be and what their friends would do and what their how people would treat them and would people give them attention would they even recognize themselves if yeah. they weren't uh-huh. in this that's a real thing and i think right now starting to picture yourself what would i be like if i was free from this and and to realize that it would be better will give you that drive to keep uh, uh working on your recovery yeah I think that's all great stuff, and we're here for you if you want to write in again and give us some more specifics on stuff. Like we said, we all of us in this podcast, particularly at Glintajet, have had the most experience with it. Real big proponents of the 12-step model. Totally. And even outside of that, yeah. having some kind of strategy or program that is proven, there's a, a phrase we hear a lot from addicts who are doing well in re- recovery around here, which is, it works if you work it. Yep. yep. Right. The idea of having a strategy, a someone to check in with, a routine to get into to that you can put some effort into, put some discipline into that shows results is a great thing. Sometimes it's a little hard to find that, if you, especially if like some of those legal addictions Lee was talking about. I don't know that there's a 12-step 12, 12 program for people who smoke cigarettes. There might be, there might not be, but there's probably some kind of system book, whatever, that you can... Yeah. One thing just to put out there that could be useful, you've heard of AA, and we do want to take a second. Not all AA chapters are created equal. Correct. That's that's very true. You may, if you dig around yeah. online, you'll see people saying a lot of weird stuff about AA, and we want to go ahead and squash that right now. Yeah. AA is a great program. Yeah, it is. Um, well, awesome. to go back to to go back to an analogy we were talking earlier about um, church denominations. Yeah. Um, the th- weird thing about AA is, is there's no central bureaucracy. There's no That's training. Right. It's all sprawling. So yeah. maybe there's an AA meeting in, you know, Chicago, for example, on the south side that is run by just weirdos and it's not yeah. good and it's not. And it's this guy's trying to recruit everybody to his Pentecostal church. It's a weird thing. Yeah. That doesn't mean the AA meeting on the west side yeah. or even the AA meeting on the next block is going to be anything exactly. like that. So yeah. right. you got to shop around. Yeah, you got to shop around a little bit. Shop around. There's nothing wrong with that. But you should be confident if you want to find an AA meeting and you live in any kind of metropolitan area at all, you can find one that'll work for you. Uh, uh, certainly, Definitely. we deal with AA a lot and have the utmost respect. If for whatever reason it's not working for you, you can also look into a program called Celebrate Recovery yep. um, that is, in essence, identical to AA. It's a 12 step program, it's explicitly Christian. That's right. um, it's uh, we, we we don't normally have a ton of positive things to say about mega churches, but actually, um, in this case, uh, Silver Recovery came out of Saddleback, mm-hmm. uh, which is Rick Warren's church. He's been a very vocal proponent of it. It's a great mm-hmm. thing, yep. Yep. and I believe it's yep. set up to deal with almost any life issue yeah, that it, you need to deal with. It's supposed to be sort of a catch-all type thing, which might be ideal for the situation. Uh, it, same it morning even, goes and all this stuff. It, not all of them may be great, but you sure. can shop around. And Celebrate Recovery is not as widespread as AA, but it's getting there. Yeah. yeah. What you got, Lee? Uh, 
I was just going to say, as far as I understand it, as you're saying, celebrate recovery. That it even it goes out to uh, you know eating issues, sure, cigarettes, mm-hmm. pornography, all that kind of stuff. So, sure, yeah. sure, yeah. Which goes back to the point of the, it's important to have a system, and within that, it may be helpful if say your thing is alcohol. Do you have a whole room of people dealing with alcohol? But addiction, for the most part, follows some patterns yes, that you, you can all kind of speak to. So. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of great stuff. If you have follow-up questions, you can always email us in. Say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. You can email new questions to those places as well. If you're writing to the Tumblr, please mention the podcast so I know you want it to be answered here and not the blog. We're going to take you out with an outro song this, this week. This is a song by Jed called I Am New. We've talked a lot yeah. about kind of new approaches, new thinking, new attitudes here in this show. So it's a really good song by Jed. This is the acoustic version we made for Bridgebox. If you want to sign up for Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, all your Presbyterian are belong to us. I am <laughs> <new>. <laughs>